Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. I hope your day's been going well. And a special hi and welcome to KNWI in Des Moines that just joined Faith Radio. And if you're listening there today, welcome. And let me know you're there. Say hi. You can text me a big hello to 877-933-2484. Love to hear from you. But glad you're with us. Rob Louie is uh, my first guest. Of course, he starts my Tuesdays. He's the executive director, executive editor at The Daily Signal. Rob, welcome. Thanks, Bill. It's great to be back with you today. Yeah, we just added a whole bunch of listeners in Des Moines. So Faith Radio is now in Des Moines as well. Welcome. It's great to, great to have him uh, join the Faith Radio family. That is fantastic news. Yeah, it is really good news. It's a huge... Uh, market and there's a wonderful group of people and I, I love Des Moines and I uh, think it's going to be great. I think Faith Radio is going to be um, well received there. That's my hope. That's my prayer. Well, and it's always great to be growing, Bill. I mean, as we know, uh, we live in a world where where more and more people are, are looking at different sources of getting news and information. And I, I've always said, as long as we've been doing the, the show, uh, that I, uh, I'm a huge fan of Faith Radio and the work that, that you do and um, the positive perspective you bring in this world where, you know, so often we're confronted by, by bad news. So, so thank you for, for lifting up our spirits. Well, thank you for saying that. That's awfully nice. Let's chat about uh, what's the news in Washington, D.C. Um, what is on your desk that, you're, that is uh, at the top of the pile? Well, the big news in Washington yesterday was uh, the White House event that brought together, surprisingly, Republicans and Democrats for the signing of the infrastructure bill. Of course, there were uh, plenty of people in Congress who weren't pleased with the final outcome, but uh, there were enough to get it across the finish line, just barely enough. Uh, there were a handful, uh, about a half dozen Democrats who voted against it, and most Republicans, all but 13 Republicans. But President Biden put on a show yesterday at the White House and invited uh, the bipartisan coalition that uh, that was able to uh, get it across the finish line. And now, Bill, it's going to be the hard work. Uh, this is uh, it, we're, we're through the legislative process. Now it actually goes in to the process of making sure that we're fixing the roads and bridges and uh, doing some of the other work that's that's necessary. Unfortunately, it comes at a time when we're still dealing with a supply chain crisis. So, you know, think about some of the, the materials that they're going to need to make this possible, and uh, particularly the railway. Uh, they, there's a big investment in rail, and yet uh, we're having trouble with, uh, with steel, um, mm. you know, get, getting enough steel in this country. So I, I think that uh, it's not going to be a flawless effort, but, uh, you know, certainly for, for those who are, are working on it, it's, uh, it's a high priority because I think the president knows that this is probably, this could be the last legislative accomplishment he's able to get across the finish line, certainly in, in uh, 2021. And, and not much happens in an election year in Washington, D.C. So, uh, you know, he's going to bask in this moment for as long as he can. Mm-hmm. Rob, how long do you think the supply chain issues will be with us? 
Well, it, it appears that it's going to, to last well past Christmas and into the early part of next year. Mm-hmm. And that's because these there are no quick fixes or easy solutions. It takes time to to change the processes that, uh, you know, the, the massive worldwide shipping network. Um, it, it, you can't just flip on a switch and all of a sudden, you know, have, have the problem resolve itself. So I expect that eventually we, we will get to a point where, where companies figure it out and have, um, have a better solution in place. But, you know, we're still seeing images of cargo ships uh, waiting to unload. Uh, the United States still has problems with its ports. Uh, Bill, I was just in Florida last week, and I heard uh, Governor Ron DeSantis speak, and he made a plea that uh, people should send their cargo ships to Florida, where the the ports can handle more capacity than mm-hmm. they can in uh, in other locations like Los Angeles. So I, I but again, it's not easy. <laughs> you know, Florida and Los Angeles uh, are you know it's not <laughs> not an easy trip to just make yeah. uh, with a cargo ship. So you know, um, if somebody's already en route or they're already waiting in Los Angeles, you know, they might just want to sit it out. So um, I I think that you know not only is the supply chain a, a factor, but you know, there's some new information that came out from uh, Goldman Sachs, an investment firm that suggests that inflation is going to be with us until uh, much of at least the early part of next year. So I, I think on both of those fronts, uh, there are uh, worries that are on the minds of the American people and uh, rightly so. Yeah, I saw a sign for a gas station in California that said five ninety five per gallon. That seems like a whole lot of money for gas. It sure is. It's uh, it is a lot of money, and uh, there are real life consequences to that. The more money you're spending on gas, obviously, the less money you'll have for for other things, and maybe uh, you know fewer Christmas presents under the table. I think the, the the thing that I'm hearing now from some employers is they can't keep up with the pace of inflation. So inflation is moving uh, at such a at rapid speed. Six point two percent, I believe, was the the number, the annualized number that came out last week. And employers, you know, if you get a 3% raise, which is, you know, kind of your typical cost of living adjustment, uh, your, 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 your salary is not keeping pace with what it's costing to buy some of these goods and services. So it's a real concern. I've had some employers suggest that maybe, you know, they give a one-time spot bonus to uh, employees to help them make ends meet. And if you're in a high-cost area like a, a big city like a New York or Washington, D.C., I think it hits people even harder, particularly those who might be on the lower side of the income scale. Mm-hmm. I saw a restaurant the other day, Rob, uh, in my hometown. It's a new restaurant, and they sell sub sandwiches. And the sign said, now hiring $25 an hour. And I did the math and realized this is my last broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I was gonna. I was. I thought you were gonna say you were no longer gonna be able to afford the subs because they're gonna charge so much. No, I. I don't know what they're charging for subs, but I thought that is a, fa- a fast food restaurant. It's not. I don't want to name this the store. I mean, everybody would know it, but I thought twenty five dollars an hour is where they start you to go work and sell um, sub sandwiches. Yeah, well, and and that's that's the reality. I mean, that's one of the, the the situations. I mean, we we know from the jobs reports that come out that employers there are more jobs available than there are people um, who who are willing to fill them, and so you have employers who have to pay more because that's the only way to attract the talent to come and, and work at those. Um, at those establishments. And so it is hitting restaurants particularly hard uh, because they're still, su- they're still suffering the consequences of COVID and people changing their behaviors and moving maybe to more takeout than they would dining in service. And, and I mean, <laughs> Bill, even when we were in, uh, when I was in Florida, 
I because I don't get to eat out a whole lot when I'm here at home with three young kids. I <laughs> mm-hmm. mean, it's just a little bit challenging. But uh, the restaurant, and I've had this experience before, even when we've been traveling at, a, at like a Cracker Barrel. You'll stop at a Cracker Barrel, and a lot of the tables will be empty, and they'll still say it's an hour wait. And you'll be like scratching your head wondering <laughs> right. why they don't have the wait staff yeah, right. who can accommodate it. So yeah, they, they might have the space and the capacity to see people, but they just can't keep up with the orders. And I saw that in Florida as well. Yeah. I wonder how many people got creative and got entrepreneurial during COVID and they thought, well, maybe I'll stop this job and start a new career. And it might be a business that I can do from my home where I've, I can use a skill I've always had. And all of a sudden people are now... Uh, being very entrepreneurial instead of looking to go back to their old job. We're, we're definitely seeing that. And mm-hmm. I think it's given uh, parents, uh, particularly parents, some, some flexibility with, uh, with their kids. Uh, we, we know that uh, you know, many parents have, have changed schools. Uh, some are homeschooling now. Um, so if you can find a job or you can start your own business that allows you to have that, that kind of flexibility, I think um, you know, that, that's certainly empowering to, to employees. They're, they're definitely in the driver's seat. And I think also businesses have had to adapt and, and recognize that maybe uh, outdated work from home policies uh, from from yesteryear are, are no longer relevant in today's job market. There are certain individuals who want to have the flexibility to maybe come into the office, uh, you know, less frequently because they don't like the commute or or maybe they've relocated entirely to a different part of the country. So all sorts of things are happening in the job market right now, and it's probably going to take a number of years for for them to ultimately shake out. Um, and and I, I know we're feeling it at, uh, at the Daily Signal. Um, Jared Stepman, who's one of our colleagues, uh, relocated. I know he's been on your show before. He Still doing a bang-up job and, and excellent work for us. And it just goes to show that it doesn't necessarily mean you need to sit behind a desk in the office to get the job done. Right. Now, do you think uh, or do you anticipate the periodically work from home is going to be part of the hiring practices going forward? That's going to be something they will offer people as an attraction? I, I do. I think that that will be part of the attraction that uh, that just as, you know, employers are touting, uh, obviously, salary. You, you right. talked about the $25 an hour. They talk about benefits. So they might talk about, you know, matching your 401k. Uh, I think that a new factor is going to be uh, the, the flexibility that comes with, with the job. And, and in some cases, it'll be to the advantage of the employer. Think about it. If you don't need as much real estate to house all those employees, uh, you can probably cut down some costs and maybe be able to afford higher salaries. So it's a situation that I think a lot of people are are looking at. Uh, it, it's an interesting situation for us at the Heritage Foundation, which purposefully located just a block from Capitol Hill in Washington D.C. Uh, way back in in the 1970s uh, when we were when we were founded, and we wanted to have a strategic location so congressional staff and members of Congress could be able to come to the building physically. And, uh, and have briefings or, or meetings and, and a place to retreat when they want to get away from the hustle and bustle on Capitol Hill. So it's, it's largely not impacted us. I mean, I'm in the office now five days a week, as, as are many other people. But I know plenty of other think tanks in Washington, D.C. that have a different operating model and still really haven't fully reopened uh, from the time of COVID. Mm-hmm. And are you, st- are you still regularly having uh, guests come into the building and, and present to the staff? We we certainly do. Uh, it is uh, it's it's a uh, you know uh, a regular occurrence that the mayor, uh, thankfully, just uh, lifted as of uh, I believe it's next Monday 
the mask mandate in Washington, D.C. Obviously, cases have continued to drop in the District of Columbia. Mm -hmm. So we were all cheering uh, that news. But yeah, we've we've had events here. We also do them virtually. And I think we're I mean, we're doing an event tomorrow with Senator Rand Paul on some pro-life issues. And uh, and we're welcoming the senator virtually in this particular case. So it's given us the flexibility to actually do more uh, with the members of Congress who who want to engage because they don't necessarily always have to show up in person. They can fit more into their day as well. Yeah. Rob Louie is my guest, the executive editor at The Daily Signal. You can always head over to DailySignal.com. We'll take a little break. We'll be right back with uh, lots more with Rob. music for Rob Louie, which I think was in part uh, chosen by his 12-year-old son, I'm guessing. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> from from Lightning McQueen in the Cars movie, that's right. You, you remember, you remember, Bill. <laughs> I do remember that, yeah. So your your neck of the woods remains in the news, uh, Loudoun County. There, there's three teachers there that are uh, involved in a transgender policy requiring them to ignore students' biological sex. Uh, Virginia Allen wrote a nice piece at DailySignal.com. I'd love for you to talk about that. Yes, well, this is one of the policies that I think drove people to the polls on Election Day in Virginia and uh, del- delivered, frankly, the upset win for Glenn Youngkin, uh, the Republican candidate for governor. Obviously, critical race theory and COVID policies mm-hmm. contributed uh, to the concerns that parents had about education. But you're absolutely correct. Loudoun County, which is one of the wealthiest counties in America, is just on the outskirts of D.C., and the school board there has passed a policy that uh, would really, you know, do a, go against the the very principles that we believe in in this country. Um, really silencing parents and teachers uh, when they want to speak out on on issues uh, of sex and tra- transgender bathrooms and and things of that nature. One of the people involved uh, was uh, a, a, a teacher. Um, uh, Tanner Cross, and he um, he spoke up at a at a school board meeting, and he was uh, punished for for doing so. So the, uh, the the board adopted this policy in a, in a surprisingly uh, lopsided vote, seven to two in August. I th- I would have thought that there would have been uh, a, cl- a closer vote on on it. And uh, immediately afterward, Alliance Defending Freedom, which is just a great organization that's defending. Uh, a lot of uh, religious liberty cases that, that come up through the, the system uh, has asked for an injunction uh, to protect these teachers' rights uh, while the, the cases move forward. So uh, we've had Tanner Cross on the Daily Signal podcast before. He's told his story. In fact, I saw him on Fox News earlier today, so I know he's doing a lot of media and getting a lot of attention for having the courage to speak out on this and uh, really put a lot on the line uh, for himself uh, to make sure that other teachers, I think, have this this ability to to share their perspective, and I, I think we should go to the heart of the issue here, Bill, and that's uh, you know making sure that that our kids are are in a safe and secure environment. And um, we we know from other stories ca- coming out of Loudoun County that there are concerns about what happens when a biological male is allowed to 
uh, enter a, a women's, a girl's uh, restroom. And uh, we know of an assault case, a very prominent one that has been a, a contentious issue in that county. And so that's, uh, that's really one of the big things. And then, you know, the other thing is people talk about all the time, you know, when you allow biological males to compete against girls in, uh, in, in sports, uh, they have an advantage. And I think that that's a concern that a lot of parents are raising and the unfair um, situation that it puts uh, young women in who are trying to, uh, to compete and make their mark. Yeah, I saw a mixed martial art. I saw a little bit of a clip, maybe a five-second clip of a biological man against a woman. And I don't know why they did that as a demonstration. I think if she thought she could be tough enough to fight this guy, and it was, uh, I couldn't watch it. It was so painful to watch. It is. And, and a lot of the cases that, that we hear about, obviously, in, are not, you know, um, mixed martial arts, but, you know, running track, for instance. Right. And I mean, you, you just look at historically at, at any road race and I'm a runner, you look at any road race and and, you know, it's the men always finish before the women. It's, it's just the, the, the very nature of how they're built and, and, you know, how God created us. And they're, they're, it's not discriminatory against uh, women no, in any way. Um, but when you have when you have an uneven playing field in which a, a biological male is allowed to compete, um, you know, against women, uh, chances are they're going to, to stand a better chance. And we know that we've, we've seen these debates play out in the Olympics. But when you have, you know, teachers who are speaking out on this, as, also as residents of the county or you know, citizens of our country, and then are being punished uh, for doing so, I, like I said, I think it just goes against uh, our, our First Amendment uh, protections and, and the right to free speech in this country. Mm-hmm. Rob Louie is my guest. He's the executive editor at The Daily Signal. Rob, I have to figure out if I'm going to word this correctly. Politicians sometimes or often look to Europe as solutions for America's, America's problems. What do you say about that? Well, and a perfect example of that is the, uh, the, the climate change conference, the COP26, which just wrapped up over the weekend in Glasgow, Scotland, uh, which brought together leaders from across Europe and, and the rest of the world as well. Of course, it was held on European soil and making all sorts of commitments about what the United States would do, uh, often with regard, it seemed more, more clearly to the, to the powers in Europe than it did with, to our own people. I mean, you, you might remember the famous line from uh, President Trump when he undid the Paris Climate Agreement, and he said it was an agreement crafted in Paris <laughs> rather than Pittsburgh. And so I think that uh, one of the things that David Harsani, who's a Daily Signal columnist, writes about in his new book is that we are in so many ways uh, a superior country to to any European nation, whether it comes to assimilation and, and immigration being a much more welcoming country, whether it is healthcare and the great lengths that we go to uh, to make sure that, that our citizens are healthy and provide them the care that they need, uh, to the climate, which um, we are, you know, have the the, the cleanest air and, and water, and you know, it's it's just not even debatable when you look at some other countries like a China or an India, and and frankly, their unwillingness to, in China's case, to even cooperate in in worldwide gatherings like this. And so, why anyone would say that Europe is the model um, is just a head scratcher. And uh, and Bill, one one myth that uh, that he debunks in our interview is this notion that uh, these these European countries have a, a vastly superior 
uh, socialistic system than the, than, than the United States capitalistic system, when in fact, that's just an outright lie. Uh, mm-hmm. If you look at the uh, countries like Denmark and Norway and Sweden, they are highly capitalistic. They are free trading countries. They just have significantly higher tax rates, uh, some, some approaching 60% uh, tax rates. So, you know, if we want to pay taxes in that range, I'm sure that we could have a, a vastly uh, different uh, system in the United States as well. But they are not um, in any way uh, socialist. In fact, they rank very high on the Heritage Foundation's Index of Economic Freedom. Rob, I think we can agree European, Europe is superior when it comes to fettuccine Alfredo. That's right. European food, in many respects, <laughs> is is uh, is definitely uh, is definitely the way yes, to go. But, I've been to but Rome. Some, some of their public policies, maybe not so much. Yeah, but the fettuccine in Rome is really good. Just so you know. I will next time I make it to Rome. <laughs> I will remember remember to order it. Yeah. Thank you. So, have you followed any of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial? Just curious. Just keeping an eye on it, Mm -hmm. obviously, a lot of concern there in Wisconsin. Uh, I know the National Guard is on standby. I think we're we're still awaiting uh, the verdict, which could come today. Uh, It's been an interesting trial to watch. I know that uh, the judge has been, as have have the the Twitter commentators, been critical of the prosecution and as it's as it's uh, presented its case. Um, So, yes, there is uh, is a lot of high stakes here. And uh, and so it was, along with the Ahmed Arbery case in Georgia, I mean, both of these are going on right now. And I know, Bill, that uh, there's concerns that there will be uh, riots or violence, depending on how the, the verdict uh, comes down. And, and we can just, I think, pray that that doesn't uh, take place and that people um, respect the decision of the jury uh, in the Rittenhouse case, uh, regardless of which way they ultimately come down. Mm-hmm. Rob, thank you so much. You know, I love chatting with you on Tuesdays, and I always appreciate your willingness to uh, to come on and be such a great guest. Thanks, Bill, and congrats again on that expansion into Iowa. Uh, so grateful to hear that Faith Radio continues to grow. Yeah, it's very exciting. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. You bet. Rob Bluey has been my guest. He is the executive editor at The Daily Signal. You can head over to dailysignal.com and, and learn uh, more about that um, uh, website and his uh, writing and all of the, all of his colleagues that work there. This uh, Christmas, we want to make it especially good for you. And one of the good ways to do that is to get your heart ready. And Susie Larson, I know, has written a new book called Prepare Him Room. It's a, a daily devotional to help you slow down and be present while reminding you all along what the season is really about. Now, we've got two devotional bundles that we're going to be giving away and it includes two copies of prepare him room and two sets of quote uh cards which are really very nice and so there's like one for you and then one for a friend how nice is that you can uh, sign up now at myfaithradio.com to be part of that so go to myfaithradio.com we'll take a little break when we come back dr greg borgon is going to be joining me here in studio And we are going to talk about the prophet Jeremiah. That's all next.
It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car, what's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. All right, have you ever wondered why God called you to do what you do? Have you ever been discouraged because no one seems to be listening to you? Hmm? Well, that would uh, welcome, that would be the world of Jeremiah. That certainly would. Dr. Greg Borgon is here with me in studio. He's the founder and president of heartofawarrior.org. Always glad to have him here. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. I, it, if, if our audience would humor me for a minute, if they had a, maybe a notepad or a piece <laughs> of paper, they'd take a pencil out. Or if you're driving in your car, you just kind of mentally check these off, these questions that Bill started with. There are more. And I suspect that many of us have felt this way at some point in our life or maybe repeated times in our life. As Bill said, you know, have you ever uh, felt unappreciated? Have you ever wondered how God, uh, uh, why God called you to do what you do when you think to yourself, well, certainly there must be somebody better? Have you ever been discouraged because no one seems to be listening to you? Mm. Have you ever been disappointed because your efforts seem to be producing so little results? Or how about this question? Have you ever experienced leadership backlash where you proposed a course of action that was rejected by those who would be affected and an unexpected negative reaction followed? I would suggest that probably you checked a majority of these or our audience checked a majority of these. I would say almost all of them. All of them, yeah. I mean, you're suggesting a place to go to dinner. (laughs) You know, there's a leadership uh, backlash because everyone said, no, we're not going there. No, no, no. (laughs) So I guess we could say welcome to the world of Jeremiah. If we were able to apply the world standard for success, Jeremiah would be considered a miserable failure. I mean, if you had to identify either the major prophets or the minor prophets and ask yourself the question, which one would I like to be or which one would I have been? I bet you Jeremiah would be at the bottom of the list when you take a look at his life. Because on the surface, when you look at his life and what he accomplished, you'd have to come back and scratch your head and say, well, what did he accomplish? But interestingly enough, we have the most information on any of the prophets in the Bible. It's on the life of Jeremiah. Hmm. And it's not just in the book of Jeremiah, it's also in the other book that he wrote, which many uh, Christians have forgotten about, it's the book of Lamentations. So we have more information on Jeremiah than Isaiah or Daniel or Ezekiel or anyone else. So anyway, the world today applauds success. So being financially secure or being admired by others or enjoying the good life, uh, wealthy celebrities are emulated and sought after as leaders, opinion makers, and trendsetters, which I think is a mistake. Um, Think of those who fit that mold. Well, Jeremiah certainly wouldn't be one of them. But let's go ahead and dig into the context. And what I, I hope we're able to accomplish today, Bill, is by looking at the life of Jeremiah, is to identify some lessons from his life that we can apply today. We think that the cancer culture, the cancel culture, Um, of today is unique and new to us as contemporaries, but it's been around for millennia. Mm. And during Jeremiah's time, it was running rampant, especially when it came to anybody who had the audacity to speak the truth of God into people's lives. So anyway, what we're looking at, let's place him in, in history. 
Now, uh, under three kings, which were Saul and David and Solomon, you had a, 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 a combined kingdom. You had a united kingdom. But because of the sin of, of Israel, um, at the end of Solomon's reign, it broke up into two different um, uh, areas, two different kingdoms. First of all, there was the northern kingdom that consisted of ten tribes, and the southern kingdom, which was uh, Judah and Benjamin. But um, the the northern kingdom was carried off into captivity under the Assyrians uh, well in advance in 722 B.C., whereas Judah was carried off into captivity around 5, what is it, 556 or 586 uh, B.C. under the rule of uh, the Babylonians. So where we find Jeremiah in terms of the context, um, we find him that he served God for 40 years. Uh, scholars believe it was between the, the time of 627 to 580 uh, B.C., primarily to Judah, um, beginning uh, with the 11th year of King Josiah. So five kings of Judah came and went in his lifetime. Hmm. His ministry focused primarily on Judah. Jeremiah was a contemporary uh, at that time of the prophets Zephaniah, Habakkuk, Daniel, and Ezekiel. So he labored for 40 years proclaiming a message of doom <laughs> and disaster to an obstinate and arrogant people of Judah. If God were to come to you in the, the, the dead of the night and say, I'm going to send you to America, but your message isn't going to be a happy one. <laughs> it's going to be a message of doom. Mm -hmm. And I want you to do this, Bill, for 40 years. Oh, wow. And nobody's going to respond. Yeah. How about it? <laughs> I don't know if there are many of us that go ahead and say, yes, send me, send me. Yeah. So Jeremiah, the, the prophet, uh, was despised and persecuted by his own people. <laughs> he wasn't allowed to marry as an object lesson to Judah because uh, Judah committed adultery in a, in a sinful way uh, with the gods around them. He was threatened and imprisoned uh, because of an unwelcome message of divine judgment to be brought about through the Babylonian invasion. As a matter of fact, his father was a priest in the temple, and Jeremiah is kicked out of the temple. <laughs> and because he was speaking truth at that time. So when Judah was taken into Babylonian captivity in 586 B.C., Jeremiah ministered in Jerusalem and Egypt after Judah's downfall in 586 to 580 B.C. So uh, we understand, even though it's not clear in Scripture, that he died in Egypt. As a matter of fact, he was carried away and kidnapped by Jews that escaped down into Egypt and uh, the traditional uh, historians of, of the Bible have concluded that he was stoned to death by those same Jews mm -hmm. in Egypt. So it's not a very attractive life if you just look on the surface. Now, as I started out, I said there are two books that were written by Jeremiah. Uh, the book of Jeremiah itself, actually Baruch, uh, which was his, his um, secretary, wrote down all of um, Jeremiah and Lamentations. So the book of Jeremiah contains prophecies of a man divinely called in his youth, which was, you know, he was 17 years old, uh, scholars think, when he was given the call by God to be a prophet to Judah. And then you have the book of Lamentations, which really describes the funeral of Jerusalem, which by then was reduced to rubble after a long siege by the invading Babylonian uh, hordes, as a matter of fact. So Jeremiah 
was and is referred to as the weeping prophet. He received his name primarily because he wept over Judah and Jerusalem. So the epitaph uh, on his tombstone could read, uh, nobody listened. (laughs) That would be his epitaph. So the climate of the times but uh, is similar today. So let's not assume for a moment that what Jeremiah was experiencing back before Christ and during his time of 40 years is uh, not uh, any different, really. It is really the same as we're experiencing today. For instance, during his time and in our time right now, Bill, society was deteriorating economically, politically, and spiritually. Yeah, and there was no moral consensus, was there? No, and there isn't today. Yeah, right. Uh, Wars and captivity were frequent. God's word was considered offensive. Uh, He was poor and suffered greatly to deliver his messages. People uh, had their own uh, understanding of truth. In other words, they say what some contemporaries would say today, uh, your truth ends where my nose begins. You know, my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's the way it was then. That's the way it really is now. So if you take a look at what he suffered for the cause of the kingdom, it's absolutely amazing to me. Now, this was over a 40-year period. Um, he was thrown into prison. He was dropped into a cistern. You can imagine a cistern that usually is filled with water, and this whole the bottom of it's full of mud and muck and all kind of debris. He was put in stocks. He was rejected by his countrymen and neighbors. He was falsely accused as a traitor. He was slandered by priests and prophets. He was forced to flee on more than one occasion. He was publicly humiliated by a false prophet. Um, and eventually taken to Egypt against his will. He often desired to resign the prophetic office because of the harshness of his message and the unfriendly response of its hearers. In the eyes of the world, Jeremiah was not a success. So, in God's eyes, however, it's a different story. He was one of the most successful people in all of history, One commentator summarized Bill, his significance this way. He said, success as measured by God involves obedience and faithfulness. Regardless of opposition and personal cost, Jeremiah courageously and faithfully proclaimed the word of God. He was obedient to his calling. How do we express our love for God? It isn't by words and words alone, because often our words bear little resemblance to how we live. How we demonstrate our love to God, it says in First John, is by being obedient. And mm-hmm. certainly Jeremiah was obedient. That didn't mean, and for us too, we, we can take this uh, as a part of our own story, it doesn't mean that we won't get discouraged or depressed or in despair or wonder what is God doing with me or thinking for a moment that where is God in the middle of these circumstances? The fact of the matter is, even in those circumstances, we're to demonstrate our love for God by being absolutely obedient. So, in God's eyes, you're not measured by, you know, the size of your congregation, uh, your extended influence, or the books you publish, the achievements you've attained, or even the reputation you have with your contemporaries. You're measured by how faithful you are to your calling even in the midst of trials and tribulations. Amen. Right now, I'm leading 14 men on a journey 
to discover their unique map. And what I've told them is that the map that God has given you that he preordained before you ever came to be, and he set the days you would walk this earth, that preordained map is your calling. And when you leverage how God's wired you to facilitate his redemptive purposes in a fallen world, you're being true to your calling. It doesn't matter about the results because the results are not up to you and I. The results are up to the Holy Spirit and God. We have to be faithful to whatever our calling is, to our wiring, our unique wiring, our spiritual gifts, our natural abilities, our acquired skills, our personality temperament, our leadership style, our values, our biblically informed values, um, and our sense of destiny and calling. When we leverage that for kingdom purposes, for eternal purposes, and we're obedient to that, we have to leave the results to God. We can't get hung up in the results unless in some fashion or form we contributed to their demise mm-hmm. by sin, you know, unconfessed sin or whatever. So the basic theme uh, of Jeremiah uh, was short into the point, repent and turn to God or there'll be dire consequences. In Jeremiah 2.19, we read, your wickedness will punish you. It's interesting the way it's phrased, as if wickedness was a, a, some sort of personification of something. But your wickedness will punish you. In other words, what he's saying is, you're going to suffer the consequences of your stupidity mm-hmm. and of your sin. Your wickedness will punish you. Your black si- backsliding will rebuke you. Consider then and realize how evil and bitter it is for you when you forsake the Lord your God and have no awe of me, declares the Lord, the Lord Almighty. Because when sin goes unabated, its shrill voice grows louder, Bill. Mm -hmm. And when its shrill voice grows louder, you forget that you need to be fearful of God, that there are consequences, that we're dealing with an awesome God or creator. But when you sin and the callous around your life builds up, you no longer have that fear, and you live um, as if you're from the pit of hell, Mm. because there is, is no fear. You don't believe in sin anymore. You believe in just your own independence. And as we said on your show before, independence from God breeds only dependence on the world, where dependence upon God will always breed independence from the world. So probably the most that our audience, or I shouldn't say that's that's not right, maybe several of of our audience, um, all they know about Jeremiah is this wonderful quote in Jeremiah 29.11. Um, which says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So that's just about all we know. But what we don't realize when you read that particular passage in context, it was written to the exiles who had already been taken away to Babylon Mm -hmm. by Jeremiah. And so he's telling them that God is not finished with them yet. That, yes, indeed, they suffer the consequences because they turn their hearts away from God and they worship idols and they they refuse to worship him. And so, consequently, uh, just like in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 uh, through 32, where God says he gives us over to our sin, in essence, he's actually said that in Jeremiah 45, I believe it is, that go ahead, fulfill your promises to in your vows to these false gods. I release you to that, Mm -hmm. knowing full well that there are consequences to that kind of a decision. 
We'll take a short break. We're with Dr. Greg Borgon, learning about Jeremiah today. Fascinating uh, study so far, Greg. We'll be right back with lots more in just a minute. share a love for that movie gladiator (laughs) awesome movie loved it he does too we're talking about jeremiah today and we're going to jump into five major issues that were addressed during his ministry i'll just kind of name them sin punishment god is lord of all heart renewal and faithful service yeah, it's amazing. I mean, when you when you take a look at the major themes of his messages, that's what you would conclude and summarize very succinctly. Now, with regard to sin, King Josiah's reformation failed because the people's repentance was shallow, and they continued in their sinfulness and worship of idols, and all the leaders rejected God's law and the will for the people. Uh, so Jeremiah lists their sins and predicts God's judgment and begs for repentance because you have to understand his attitude wasn't one of condemnation. It was one of deep sorrow because of his countrymen turning their back on God. Again, that's why he was called a weeping prophet. So what lesson can we draw from that? Well, Judah's deterioration and disaster came from their callous disregard and disobedience of God. So when we ignore sin and refuse to listen to God's warning, we invite disaster. So the lesson is, don't settle for half measures in removing sin. I mean, I just had uh, some surgery on my need to remove some uh, some cancer cells. And um, the spot looked very small to me. And I asked <laughs> them, I said, how much of this are you going to take out? And then when she drew a circle around and said, you have to take all of that? <laughs> but she says... Because it goes deep. Yeah. You have to get it all out. And then they, of course, sew it back together. I'm sorry for being so graphic. That's okay. But, but you know, that's the way we approach sin. If we do it half measure and we don't go deep enough uh, with our repentance, it's going to return. <laughs> so that's lesson number one. Uh, with regard to punishment, because of sin, Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was ruined and the people were captured and carried out to Babylon. The people were responsible for their destruction and captivity, even though they blamed God. Where are you, God, in the middle mm-hmm. of our... Um, siege here. It was, they brought it on because they refused to listen to God's message. So what is our lesson? We must answer to him for how we live. And I've said this on your show again and again, Bill, nobody really cares what we have to say until they observe how we live. And if we live lives of integrity and honor under God's authority, people will ultimately want to hear what we have to say, even if they disagree with you. Why? Because they can't get past a life well lived. If you want to be a testimony today, Live well. Live under God's authority. Make sure he's on the throne of your life and let your life speak louder than your words. People will listen to your words after they observe how you live. And that's what Jeremiah's message was. When it comes to God as Lord of all, uh, because of God's majestic power and love, uh, our only duty is to submit to his authority. So the lesson number three here is by following his plans and not our plans, 
we can have a loving relationship with him and serve him with all of our hearts. In order to understand what his plans are for our life, we have to tune our hearts to his heart. Mm -hmm. We have to hear what he has to say. We have to remove the distractions from our life and in prayer, listen to the still small voice of God because God speaks most profoundly when we lean forward to hear him. So that's lesson number three. Lesson number four, God still restores his people by renewing our hearts. His love can transform the problems created by sin. So lesson number four is we can have assurance of a new heart by loving God, trusting Christ to save us, and repenting of our sin. It says that God gives us a new heart. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. What he meant by that is if you live your life on a horizontal plane devoid of any vertical relationship with your Creator, you'll only come to the conclusion that Solomon did. Your life is absolutely meaningless. But there is something new when you come to God and establish that vertical relationship with Him. God gives you a lot of new things, a new hope, a new life, a new heart. All right, in the fifth lesson we hear from Jeremiah is that people's acceptance or rejection of us is not the measure of our success. God's approval alone should be our standard for service. Here's the lesson. We must bring God's message to others even when we are rejected. That's kind of hard, but it's absolutely true. We must do God's work even if it means suffering for it. And we have to remember the results and the response we hope to glean is not our responsibility or obligation. That's between them and God and the Holy Spirit. We are just the bearers of that message. That's why the Bible says we're ministers of reconciliation. Number six, faithfulness to our calling. Jeremiah was faithful to the end. I believe, Bill, what God is looking for are fat Christians. The only time you don't need to go on a diet. Faithful, available, and teachable. You provide those three characteristics and give it as an offering to God on his altar, and he will use you mightily. That being the acronym for FAT, right? Yes. Faithful, available, Available and teachable. Teachable. That's good. Because everyone's called to be a minister. I mean, it's not just people who are trained in the seminary. It says in Scripture, we've been created for ministry, we've been saved for ministry, we've been called to ministry, we've been gifted for ministry, we've been authorized for ministry, we are accountable for ministry, and so forth. So all of us are ministers of the gospel, period. Number seven, at peace with obscurity. Jeremiah lived his life for an audience of one. So he didn't appeal to the crowds, even though he naturally felt their abuse and their rejection, but he knew he had to live his life for an audience of one. Um, So the whole idea is is that we are part of the fellowship of obscurity, Bill, (laughs) and that um, others may get credit for what we've done and may be lifted up before we are, but it doesn't escape our king. He knows what we've done, and the reward is coming. That's so reassuring. Yeah. You know, Gregory, there's another thing that jumped off the page that I want to back up to. I know we're going to have to spend more time on this because <laughs> I'm thinking that we have not covered this in no. its entirety yet. And well, you know me, Bill. <laughs> I know you. You're always a deep dive. And I, I'm looking at some of the things that w- we have left to talk about, and we're mm. not going to cover it in this hour. No, we're not. So we can pick this up uh, last uh, next time we get together. But, okay. Well, I'm, I'm surprised when I'm looking at the life of Jeremiah, that he was a contemporary of Zephaniah, Habakkuk, Daniel, and Ezekiel. He yeah. was a contemporary of Daniel, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Huh. During hmm. that same time period. Wow. 
Yeah, I don't know if they got together for coffee. But well, I, yeah, they, they probably were not texting but they, each other. They lived at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They were used of God in in similar fashions. You know, one other thing the audience should recognize is that even though that the Jews were taken away into captivity by the Babylonians, a pagan nation, God punished Babylonia even after that. Mm-hmm. And because of their brutality and because of their worship of idols, He used them as an instrument to punish his own people, to bring them to him. But he ultimately, there's no sin goes unrecognized by God. And he ultimately punished, punished Babylonia. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I love about Jeremiah twenty nine eleven is a lot of people love that verse. And I, I always think, well, that's perfect because God has plans for you and he has hope for your future. Yeah. So even though it was directed to a certain group, it still applies to us today because God loves us and has a plan for our future. Yeah, and Jeremiah actually spoke about that special future. Yeah, right. When you talk about, it's interesting that the, the word plans is plural, which means that we make mistakes, we make bad decisions. God is not done with us yet. He just gives us another option at the other end. So he has plans plural for us. That's the great hope. Mm-hmm. Greg, thank you so much. I look forward to continuing this study of Jeremiah. Next time we're together, Dr. Greg Borgond has been my guest. You can go to heartofawarrior.org to learn more about his powerful ministry, his books that he's written, and the resources he has, heartofawarrior.com. We're going to take a little break, and when we come back, I have a full hour with Fuad Masri. You're going to love him. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.